साथियों आज सवेरे साढ़े तीन बजे भारत और पाकिस्तान में लड़ाई बंद हो गई पाकिस्तान ने हमारे देश में हमलावरों को पांच अगस्त को भेजकर ये लड़ाई शुरू की थी अब ब्लैकआउट नहीं रहेगा अंधेरा नहीं रखा जाएगा लेकिन ये न समझिए कि पूरी शांति हो गई हमें गंभीरता से विचार करना है कि इस समय क्या स्थिति है और आगे क्या हो सकती है जैसा आप जानते हैं लड़ाई बंद करने में पंद्रह घंटे की देर हुई क्योंकि पाकिस्तान इसके लिए देर से राजी हुआ जो कि पाकिस्तान ने बहुत देर से जवाब दिया हम जानते हैं कि पाकिस्तान ने कितना अनुचित और बेरहमी का काम किया दिन दहाड़े अमृतसर की शहरी जनता पर बमबारी करना ऐसा काम है जिसकी कड़ी से कड़ी निंदा की जाएगी उन्होंने जानबूझकर बूझ काम किया और लोगों के जान माल को गहरा नुकसान पहुंचाया फिर खुद पाकिस्तान के प्रेसिडेंट की धमकी भी हमारे सामने है और उनके विदेश मंत्री की तो है ही इन दोनों ने आगे और भी भारी लड़ाई की बात की है इस सबसे पता चलता है कि पाकिस्तान की लड़ने की इच्छा ख्वाहिश अभी भी बनी है वो कि दोनों मुल्कों की हथियार बंद फौजों के बीच लड़ाई बंद हो गई है फिर भी यूनाइटेड नेशंस और दूसरे सब लोग जो दुनिया में शांति चाहते हैं उनके लिए ये जरूरी है कि वे इससे जो गहरी लड़ाई है उसे भी बंद करें हमने बार बार ये कहा है कि पाकिस्तान के लोगों के साथ हमारा कोई झगड़ा नहीं और हम उनका भला चाहते हैं इस लड़ाई में भी हमने यही कोशिश की कि पाकिस्तानी फौजी मशीन पर वार किया जाए हमने पाकिस्तान के शहरी लोगों पर बम नहीं गिराए हमने लाहौर पर गोलाबारी नहीं की पूर्वी बंगाल के हवाई हमलों का भी जवाब नहीं दिया हमने कराची पर भी हमला नहीं किया जो कि पाकिस्तान के ज्यादातर हवाई जहाज वहीं से उड़कर हमारे मुल्क पर हमला करने आते थे दूसरी तरफ पाकिस्तान ने एक गैर फौजी हवाई जहाज पर हमला किया जिस पर गुजरात के चीफ मिनिस्टर और उनकी पत्नी सफर कर रहे थे और इस जहाज का पीछा कर इसे नीचे मार गिराया पाकिस्तान ने राजस्थान गुजरात और पंजाब की निहत थी नागरिक जनता पर भी बमबारी की पहले से स्कीम बनाकर हमारे ऊपर भारी हमला करके हमको उसका जवाब देने पर मजबूर कर देने के बाद पाकिस्तान जानबूझकर बूझ झूठा प्रोपगेंडा कर रहा है कि भारत पाकिस्तान को खत्म करने पर जुड़ा हुआ है इससे ज्यादा गलत बात और कोई हो नहीं सकती पाकिस्तान ने ही पिछले सत्रह सालों में तीन बार भारत पर हमला किया है पाकिस्तान ही हमारी सेक्युलरिज्म को नष्ट करना चाहता है पाकिस्तान ही हमारे देश की जनता में भेद डालने के लिए सांप्रदायिकता का डर खड़ा करता है हमारी फौज और एयरफोर्स के बहादुरों ने बराबर मिलकर काम किया और हमारे अफसरों ने लड़ाई के मैदान में और हवाई लड़ाई में अपने सैनिकों का खुद नेतृत्व किया उनकी रहबरी की उन्होंने हंसते हंसते अपने प्राणों की बाजी लगा दी लड़ाई के मैदान से 
उनकी वीरता के कारनामों की खबरें आई हैं सारा मुल्क उनके ऊपर नाश करता है और उनका दिल से कृतज्ञ है और एहसान मानता है उनका काम अभी खत्म नहीं हुआ है और मुझे मालूम है कि उन्हें अपनी जिम्मेदारियों का पूरा ख्याल हमारे सामने एक ही प्रोग्राम रहेगा इंतजाम करना लड़ाई शुरू कर देना और कामयाब कर देना पर हाथ में यहाँ है क्या हमारे रास्ते में आएगी सूख क्या तकलीफें बजे कोई बात नहीं है हम जिंदा रहेंगे या तो मरेंगे कोई बात नहीं है बात को सही बात क्या है आम बात क्या है आखिर में हमारी कामयाबी होगी इनो सर आगा In August 1965, Pakistani armed forces under the leadership of Major General A. H. Malik launched Operation Gibraltar on the borders of India in a second attempt since 1947 to snatch Kashmir away. Close to 40,000 well-armed irregular officers from the Azad Kashmir force were disguised as regular villagers in an attempt to foment social unrest and insurgency in Kashmir. India soon responded to this threat by opening a second front in the Punjab region. The clash continued till September until a ceasefire was declared. India for their efforts since the 1962 debacle saw the end to hostilities as a victory. And ushering in the age of military victories was India's second prime minister Sri Lal Bahadur Shastri. After the Chinese defeat and Nehru's death, India's political future looked bleak at best. The question was who after Nehru there were many active considerations in the list including JP Narayan Morarji Desai Indira Gandhi and Shastri ji himself however under party president K Kamraj the elections were conducted with a united voice declaring Shastri ji to accede the PM's post however within a year and a half Shastri ji oversaw a successful green revolution in India succeeded in fighting against Pakistan to a stalemate signed a peace agreement called the Tashkent Declaration and died due to a heart attack caused by a poison by a person or persons unknown. Namaskar and welcome to India's Guardian Angel. As the train made its way from Kolkata into the Hindi heartlands of Uttar Pradesh, Dr. Roy's thoughts raced back to his previous adventure. He was tasked by the firebrand revolutionary Lila Roy, one of Netaji's closest associates, to investigate the rumblings of Netaji's appearance in a place called Sholmari, located in Kuch Bihar, West Bengal. Rumors had it that there was a holy man who was supposedly Subhash Bose, who was living in an ashram. Rumors also included the presence of various associates of Netaji including some INA personnel former political colleagues and others who had visited the ashram and claimed that they had met Subhash Bose 
when Dr. Roy visited the ashram and spoke to the sadhu, he was clear in his heart of hearts that this was not his leader. Dr. Roy interacted with the sadhu for two days before he returned to Kolkata. However, on the last day, the sadhu said something interesting to him. He said, don't be disheartened. Soon there will be work for you to do. Dr. Roy was confused by the sadhu's utterances and left Shalmari a disappointed man. By the time he reached Nemesharanya, the thoughts of the disappointing trip was, were well settled in his mind. The pattern was similar to the Solmari episode. Once again, it was another associate of Netaji, Professor Atul Sen who had sent the letter to Nehru, claiming to have met him. He arrived somewhere around the end of September or early October 1962, but had to wait for more than two months to finally get an audience with the mystery man. The Shalmari case was itself interesting. The rumours about Subhash Bose alive in West Bengal created such an uproar that Nehru, a firm believer of Netaji's death, tasked the Intelligence Bureau to investigate the matter. Among the many people who visited the ashram were Colonel P.K. Sehgal, one of the first officers to be tried during the Red Fort trials in 1945-46, along with Vijendranath Bose, Netaji's nephew, and Chanawas Khan, the man who wrote the report on Netaji's death. Nehru himself deputed a man called Surendra Mohan Ghosh, a former associate-turned-opponent to Bose, to visit Cholmari and decipher the man's identity. Ghosh, after multiple interactions with the sadhu, declared in a letter to Nehru that the man was not Subhash Bose. Interestingly, he also sent a letter, that is Nehru, sent a letter to Murarji Desai, who was waiting in London just in case the sadhu turned out to be Subhash Bose. Interesting, right? The whole British connection just in case Subhash Chandra Bose turned out to be alive. I wonder if this could go back to the 1945 transfer of power documents. But uh, let's not open that kind of worms right now. The facts of this case are interesting. And in fact, I'll let Anuj Dhar speak to the Intelligence Bureau angle with relation to this case. Interestingly, the role IB played in the Subhash Bose matter has been scandalous to say the least. The rampant spying on members of the Netaji family and associates was exposed in 2014 by Anujda and Mission Netaji. The spying began post-1947 and continued on for a long time until the late 70s, possibly even the 80s. Uh, India's, now, IB was you know, bifurcated in 1968, the foreign wing and the Indian wing. So IB retains the Indian, uh, the inside internal intelligence and the foreign wing of the raw. This is the raw head office in Delhi. Well, I'm the only person, luckily, who has actually filed an RT application with raw. Normally, they don't allow you, unless until there's a human right violation or some sort. So, but they don't allow. But by some fluke, I was able to file an application and I asked them, Ki, you have any records about Subhashan Rabos? So, they give me this answer. Uh, that raw does not have any information pertaining to Netaji. He said, we don't have it. My problem, that I'm in position of a affidavit duly filed, signed and filed by the Home Secretary. Home Secretary is a very important official. The IB reports to Home Secretary indirectly. Affidavit filed before Mukherjee Commission in which a record has been described. The Raw is telling me they have no record about Subhash Post, but the Home Secretary is saying ki that there is a file from Raw, number this is the 93 vintage, 
cabinet secretary draws under office note number so and so forth dated 25th 3rd 1994 regarding articles publication Asian Africa Today, Anitaji Sabashan Rabo's summary of the two articles and all that. So you have at least one record. You know, there was funny thing, you know, what Russia, Soviet Russia fell apart in 1991. Till that time, the disease the people of India had, because Netaji was alive, we figured out even Russians had the same disease. Even they started to say, after 1991, when Russia fell apart, Soviet Russia, that yes, Subhash was here. And that is why everybody was in a, you know, this, this problem erupted in those days. That's a separate thing altogether. This is a, a declassified record, 1984, from the CIA. CIA is the only organization intelligence in the way which actually does you know, declassification. So, but they, there's one problem, you know, when they uh, declassify, they do this, what is called reduction in the language. They remove certain portions. For example, the name of the file, name of the agent, how the intelligence was collected, so on and so forth, which is fine, but they give you the basic stuff. Now, this is a document dated 27 February 1964. So, subject is from Deputy Director to Security to Subhash Bose. Now, man dies in 45, but I, from CIA is creating documents about him in 64. So, that means there's something fishy about the plane crash theory. It says something like this, ki there now exists a pos strong possibility that Bose is leading the rebellious group undermining the current Nehru government. I am not, I am not saying this is gospel. This report may be wrong, but, but, Forget what CIA, even the IB doesn't get into Bajar gossip. Bajar gossip are entertained by only media, some media, not all of them. So even at that level, am I to imagine that the IB has no more records about Subhashantra Bose, 60s, 70s? There will be many of them. This is, for example, a report from an office which, is, which was and is a part of the CIA, but now it's called... It is nowadays called open source center because a lot of information you can collect about another country just by reading the newspapers. And what is relevant for you, you keep it on record. So this is the open source report for the year 1985. Mr. Raj Narayan firmly believes that one Gumnami Baba who died in Faizabad was none other than Subhashan Rabose and according to a local... Anyhow, the, the point that even the CIA was somehow, the antenna was up regarding this Faizabad story. So there is, there is something more than what meets the eye. That if we, CIA can take note of it, I'm sure my government and my people must have taken a lot of note about it. But on the face of it, they say we have no information, which is another way of saying I'm not telling the truth. See, IB has in fact records about all and sundry. There are so many Babas in the country who have been claimed as Subhashan Rabos. IB has records about all of them, but they don't have any record about, they say about this Fazaba story, which is the most biggest of them all. How is it possible? You have noted every small incident. For example, this Balak Brahmachari, nobody knows him outside Calcutta, Bengal. So even he makes an idiotic claims about Netaji being alive, IB has a report. There was so, many, so much happened in Lucknow and in Faisalabad, there were court cases. There was a verdict last month in which court admitted that there was some very good evidence. I am not prepared to believe that the IB has no record about this man. So why are you hushing up record about this man? Selectively, only you know, talking about other issues. So there's something wrong with the, the IB. This is, for example, there was another Baba called Shalmari Baba in, in, in Bengal, certain areas. See, I can understand, again, this is again of the oppression of the intelligence and police. There is a, suddenly a news comes, you know, in, uh, that some, somebody claims in 1960, there is certain Babaji sitting in Shalmari, which is on the borders of Bengal and uh, I think Bangladesh, I don't know if I'm not wrong. And this Babaji Subhashan Rabos. 
perfectly perfectly fine for the local government police and intelligence to find out what the truth is perfectly fine they should go and inquire people are making these kind of claims and he was the first baba about whom certain claim was made i can understand that you will do the inquiry for certain period of time but the problem is from from day one this man shalmani sadhu he said i am not subhash bose some people are creating unnecessary confusion and tension i am not him in 1963 uh, then uh, prime minister mr nehru answered a question put up by atul bihari vajpayee who was a member of rajya sabha he said this man is not subhash bose so it is settled at the level of the pm in 1963 this man is not subhash bose he himself is denying it all the time and you have done some reports about him you have checked his handwriting is not matching so on so forth i can understand one year two year three year four year but but apparently if you see the files till such time this man died in up 1977 he was chased by the intelligence why are you chasing this man he's not subhash bose or are you looking for somebody else so there's there's some you know other question mark was i have answered this question my book actually but there these are some question another thing the man uh, who was the director of ib in those days in 60s he was also appeared before the previous commission and he was asked question about this solmari baba so the question and he said again and again that we made no inquiries about him he said he said we made no inquiries about baba shormari i am talking about my time but my problem that now declassified records which we have obtained from the ministry of they show that this same mr b n malik who was the ib director in those days you are supplying information to nehru about it why are you telling lie why why should you tell a lie about a non issue and the report is top secret in those days this is mr b n malik in our days a person remains the director of ib for maybe 2 year or 3 year maximum maybe 2 years this man was the dib for 16 years at a time when there was no raw he was the intelligence czar of india nobody knew india better than this man and you see his deposition before commission he is talking as if he was living in a cave he was telling a lie he was behaving as if he does not know anything about subhash chandra bose he is a bengali by the way he doesn't know anything he is a conscious story mujhe pata nahi koi neta ji kya hua jhoot bola by the time dr roy finally met the strange bengali sadhu in nimsar albeit from behind a curtain the chinese war had ended in a humiliating defeat for india dr roy who had been waiting for over 2 months would now get his confirmation bhagwanji spoke from behind the curtain and said i wanted to see if this was the same babitra who i know who came to me today as a member of my secret service i wanted to see if he indeed was the same man ranendra mohan roy son of dr roy said in an interview with chandrachur Koshan Anujthar that it was these words that convinced Dr Roy that the man behind was indeed Netaji himself what discussions took place between the two men is unknown and may perhaps never be known however the message to Dr Roy was clear from this moment you must not mention me and end to anyone whatsoever and whoever when you shall meet in the future you must not even in the slightest indication give out that you contacted me at end you shall sacrifice your head but keep your lips sealed only when you shall be ordered in clear verbal tones your seals are off now then you can similarly tell others of this present phase let no one come to me if anyone asks about turn a complete blank
keep a true and factual scrutiny of persons and parties. The man who was presumed dead for over 17 years, his leader, had now come back to life and with a purpose and mission. One can only wonder what must have been going through Pabitra Mohan Roy's mind at that moment. However, true to form, he kept mum until further instructions from his leader. The opportunity came soon and in the next few months he contacted Leela Roy. Most of the revolutionary circle of freedom fighters associated with Netaji pre-1945, including many members of the Nationalist Samiti, Sri Sangha and others, were sure that the plane crash was a hoax. Hence, any time any news of a possible Netaji sighting came up, they would rush to verify the story as they did with the Shalmari episode. However, when Leela Roy heard of Dr. Roy's confirmed sighting, things were different. This time, it was a strong lead coming from an intelligence officer of Netaji's secret service. On January 7, 1963, she made an entry in her diary. P.S. The original is written in Bengali and the translation comes from Conundrum. A bewildering truth was revealed today afternoon. Unfathomable are its possibilities. Everything associated with it is unthinkable. I won't try to analyze my feelings or put words to them, but would only say, O oh God, of making the impossible possible again, I saw again what can happen all of a sudden. The eternally impossible appeared in the form of the possible. By March 1963, she along with Anil Das, Shaila Sen and Professor Samar Kuha made their way to Neemsar hoping to visit Bhagwanji. Anil Das was also part of the INA and had multiple interactions with Neetaji in the Far East. The initial few days were difficult as Bhagwanji would not allow a meeting so easily. What was worse was that Saraswati Devi stood tall like a mother goddess protecting her child, not allowing anyone, even the great Leela Roy, to meet Bhagwanji himself. The latter always addressed her as Maja Gadambe and this was their relationship till the very end. Once again, after testing their resolve and ensuring secure communications, Bhagwanji agreed to meet Leela Roy. He used a young man called Shrikan Sharma as a liaison. Sharmaji later deposed in front of the Mukherjee Commission at the age of 94 and despite certain lapses of memory, he recounted the events of those few months with great clarity and was considered a strong witness by the Commission. Once again, what was said during this meeting is largely unknown except for the fact that the great Deshantri came back convinced Bhagwanji was her long-lost leader. They say when she returned to Kolkata, all she could do was cry and cry and cry. तो एसी दास अंडरग्राउंड हुआ था बाद में वो आया करके 
ये एसी दास जब इस गुमनामी बाबा से मिलता है तो गुमनामी बाबा उसको पूछता है कि जब बैंकॉक में मिले थे तो उसके बाद क्या हुआ और जो उसके लेटर हाँ उसके पास जा रहे हैं तो ये बंगला में लिखा है पर कि आई रिसीव टू वायरलेस सेट्स एंड फ्यू रिवॉल्वर्स पिस्टल्स एंड चैनगन फ्रॉम हिकारी की कांड तो वो जो उनकी लास्ट मीटिंग थी उसके बाद से वो अकाउंट हो गए ही वांटेड टू नो किस किस आदमी ने सरेंडर के बाद क्या क्या स्टेटमेंट दिया यानी कि लोगों ने तो एंड उसमें बहुत ही बात है तो वो एग्जाम पूरे उनकी जो पहले के कनेक्शन थे वो रिवाइव होने शुरू हो गए उनके साथ में फॉर एग्जांपल इस आदमी का नाम है लोकनाथ चक्रवर्ती महाराज कुछ कांग्रेस ही इनका नाम लेते हैं सावरकर जी को बदनाम करने के लिए कई बार दिखाने के लिए इसकी महान आदमी का मानता यह है त्रिलोकीनाथ महाराज की कि ये तीस साल तक जेब में रहे इनका इतना खतरनाक आदमी मान सकते हैं जमाने में तो रेवोल्यूशनरी फ्रीडम फाइटर तीस साल तक जेल में रहा वो मंडले जेल में था वो काला पानी में था ही विद सावरकर जी आल्सो और सावरकर छोटे भाई का बहुत अच्छा दोस्त था तो ये उनके सब मित्र थे जाने वाले इन्हीं को यूज करके नेता जी वो कोशिश कर रहे थे जान से पहले कि सारे लोग उनके लड़ाई करें तो इन्हीं की मोटालिटी थी कि थ्रू हिम ही वॉज रीचिंग गणेश सावरकर के छोटे भाई का नाम था हाँ तो वो हाँ उनके साथ इनकी उनसे बहुत अच्छी दोस्ती थी कांग्रेस के साथ में बिकॉज ये वो काला पानी में थे तो कुछ कांग्रेस ही बोलते हैं कि जब ये काला पानी में थे तो उन्होंने कभी माफी नहीं मांगी तो जो पूरा आर्गूमेंट है कि महाराज को बहुत तंग किया गया था लेकिन कभी बोले नहीं यानी वो अलग इशू है पॉइंट ये है कि महाराज जेल में रहे काला पानी में रहे और मंडले दो जेलें थी जो बहुत खतरनाक मानी जाती थी मंडले की जेल और काला पानी इसी कांग्रेस के नेता को ना मंडले भेजा गया ना यहाँ भेजा सिर्फ आपके तिलक बैठे मंडले जेल में और सुभाष गए थे मंडले के जेल में जब वो और बड़ी खुशी से कहते कि वहां जा रहा हूँ लग गए थे वो जेल में बाकी लोग वो तो नहर मूल में जाते थे वहां पे बढ़िया खाने पीने का इंतजाम होता था वो चिट्ठी पिट्ठी सकते थे तो ये जो खतरनाक जेलों में ये लोग गए तो ये आदमी को जब बताया गया वो बताया गया बड़ी अच्छी कहानी लेकिन जो उसकी चिट्ठी वहां से मिली है फैजाबाद से गुनहंगाबाद के पास से तो इसका नाम नहीं लिखा मैंने नेताजी के भतीजे को देखा उसने नाम नहीं लिखा लेकिन महाराज का लिखने का स्टाइल पूरा कि मेरे अंकल को चिट्ठी लिख रहा है जैसे एग्जाम्पल है The person with whom I was lodged in Mandalay Jail, Subhash Bose, played tennis and participated in Durga Puja. एक नेता जी का खानदान का आदमी उसे बहस कर रहा है कि Subhash Bose ने कभी टेनिस नहीं खेला. Actually, he did play in Mandalay Jail. वहाँ सीखा उन्होंने. I have not forgotten him. I am still with him in Delhi in 1940 at Shankar Lal's residence. I was with him. Shankar Lal was the general secretary of Howard Block. I was with him when we toured UP on a chilly night in Agra ground. Hundreds of people are waiting for him till nine at night. In fact, when I went to Agra for a talk, when I was giving this lecture, somebody told me that his grandfather was present when Nidhi gave a lecture in Agra. So they had called to Agra. So Parvati was there in Agra and whatever. I am eagerly waiting for the same person. The oppressed and tortured people of East Pakistan are waiting for him. ये जो महाराज थे, ये ढाका East Pakistan के साइड में थे, वहाँ बहुत से रेवोल्यूशनरी आए. तो इन्होंने वो जगह नहीं छोड़ी. तो वही रहे और इन्होंने पाकिस्तान गवर्नमेंट को बहुत तंग किया है वहाँ बहुत जबरदस्त तो उसकी इस मामले में वहाँ भी लोग इज्जत करते हैं बांग्लादेशी आखिर मामले में कि उसको भी ये गुडर फैटर मानते हैं और ये सन सत्तर में भारत आए थे इनको पार्लियामेंट में फेट किया गया बहुत बड़े आदमी थे इंदिरा गांधी मौजूद थी वहाँ पे और उनको कहते अपने हाथ से इंदिरा गांधी ने उनको मिस्टी खिलाई थी जो मीठा देने को दिया सर्व किया खाना और यहाँ हर टाइप से दिल्ली में उनकी डेथ हुई है तो वेरी वेल नोन फिगर बट क्योंकि उनके नाम किताबों में नहीं आते तो हमें लगता है कि कौन थे तो ये ये बोला कि and met him subsequently others could only exchange letters among the many people who were informed of bhagwanji's existence was suresh chandra bose nitaji's elder brother 
Remember it was Suresh Bose who was a member of the Shanawas committee and wrote a dissenting report stating that Netaji had not died in a plane crash. He along with many members of his family did not believe in the plane crash story as given out. Nehru in his last letter to Suresh Bose indicated that the government did not possess any definite proof of Netaji's death and in fact they had circumstantial evidence at best. When he was informed of Netaji being alive, he sent his most trusted aide Sunil Krishna Gupta to Basti to find out the truth. He returned to Kolkata convinced that the man was be- the man behind the curtain was Subhash Bose himself. Bhagwanji would fondly call him Sukrit and he would be one of the few people who met Bhagwanji face to face. In fact, it was Sunil Gupta who in 1991 filed a PIL, a public interest litigation in the Calcutta High Court, leading to the formation of the much maligned Mukherjee Commission in 2001. Had it not been for these interactions with Bhagwanji, had it not been for the old revolutionary guard who believed that their leader had come back, perhaps a third commission to solve Netaji's death mystery would not have been formed it was for people like suresh bose sunil krishna gupta babitra mohan roy sunil das leela roy samar guha bijoy nag and many many others who worked quietly in the dark away from the spotlight fame adulation that the netaji mystery was kept alive and active mr bijoy nag who resumed the nom de guerre charanik would publish a book called oi mohamanav ashe which would record a number of articles letters and conversations bhagwanji had with his followers in the subsequent years nilaroy started a magazine called jayshri patrika which would go on to publish many of netaji's speeches his thoughts and ideals and message in its most earnest form sunil das a man who lost his entire family to the freedom movement was a chemistry professor under gyan chandra ghosh he was an active revolutionary working for the forward block during the early 40s following which he became a social worker assisting Leela Roy and Anil Das in rehabilitating refugee victims from either sides of the border during the Calcutta killings of 46 and the subsequent partition. Professor Samar Guha stood tall among his peers as a man of great conviction and sacrifice. After his first meeting with Bhagwanji in 1963, he decided to dedicate his life to spreading Netaji's ideals across India. On April 3, 1967, his first day as MP in Parliament, He spoke of Netaji with a passion and fervor that was missing in the public discourse for a long time. It was largely due to his efforts that a portrait of Netaji was unveiled on the walls of Rashtrapati Bhavan and that too in 1978. Since Nehru's ascendancy to the throne, Netaji's memory had become a faint echo, reverberating in the hearts and minds of those few who had the honor of fighting with him in the field of politics or battle fronts. If we are to understand why this podcast happened, why the works of mission netaji and others are succeeding if we are to understand why the netaji mystery has been solved at least unofficially understanding the contributions played by many of these central characters are important the kolkata circle stood firm by their convictions and never stepped away from their goal of protecting bhagwanji who they firmly believed was netaji subhashchandra bose first of all <coughs> uh the theory that he died in a crash in taiwan is contradicted by the americans who took control of uh, taiwan on 3rd september 
1945. The allegation of the Japanese press release from Tokyo was that Subhash Bose died uh, while the plane tried to take off on uh, 18th of August 1945. And that he was, his body, charred body was, his burnt body was taken to the uh, to the hospital and there uh, they could not save his life. The Americans have given in writing to the uh, Mukherjee, Justice Mukherjee Commission of, uh, which was set up during the NDA period of Atal Bihari Vajpayee, that we have no records whatsoever to say that any such crash took place not only on August 18th, but even six months before August 18th, for which we have records. And there is no report, uh, records in any hospital that some people with, uh, were brought in with their uh, burnt bodies. So there is no evidence that a crash took place, and there's no evidence that Subhash Bose was taken to hospital. This has never been addressed by a new commission which should have been set, but the BJP government or the NDA government of that period lost the election in 2004 and so couldn't pursue it. I would like our, uh, our uh, government, uh, Narendra Modi's, to set up a fresh commission to consider all the evidences which have not been considered in the past, whether it was Shah Nawaz committee or whether it is uh, Khosla committee or any other reports. Even the declassification of records have not yet been completed. There's still a very high percentage which is still under the government archives, I mean secret archives. When I was minister in 1990-91, I was minister, senior most minister of the Chandrasekhar government and uh, a request had come to our government from the Japanese that there are some ashes in Rinkoji temple in, uh, in Tokyo, and uh, it is said to belong to, uh, to Subhash Chandra Bose, and it should be taken away by India. So the question was referred to me in my capacity as law minister, whether it would be correct to accept the ashes. At that time, I was shown some of the secret files which have still not come out which led me to recommend to Mr. Chandrasekhar, no, we don't take it, because there is no evidence that he was cremated and there's no evidence that the ashes were taken to Tokyo. But more importantly, I found a, a letter written by an affidavit by one Shyamlal Jain of Meerut, who was stenographer of uh, Mr. Jawaharlal Nehru during the 1945 period, and also to uh, uh, Asaf Ali, uh, Aruna Asaf Ali's husband. And in that letter, in that affidavit, he said that on 26th December 1945, that is, several months after Subhash Chandra Bose's alleged uh, death in an air crash, he was called up by, by uh, Jawaharlal Nehru to say, come right away. 
So he said, I am about to go to sleep and I am in my pajamas. So Jawaharlal Nehru said, come in your pajamas, but bring your typewriter, carbon paper and some white sheets. So he went running and he had gone to an office of Asaf Ali in Daryaganj, where Jawaharlal Nehru was walking up and down in, in great agitation. And he told him to sit down and said, take my dictation. And he said that uh, first Jawaharlal Nehru gave me a piece of paper which was handwritten and looked like a translation of something from Russian because along with it was attached the Russian message. And that was signed, that note he said was signed by Stalin to Jawaharlal Nehru saying that Subhash Bose has come into my uh, custody following his escape via Manchuria, which was that time under Soviet control after World War II. And therefore, what shall I do with him? Jawaharlal Nehru, he said, then dictated a letter to Clement Attlee, who had then become Prime Minister of uh, Britain saying, I'm enclosing with this an English translation and a original Soviet, uh, I mean Russian language note, which I have just received. And that rascal Stalin, this is the exact words of Jawaharlal Nehru, that rascal Stalin has got the custody of uh, Subhash Chandra Bose alive. And he wants to know what is to be done. I think that because Britain declared Subhash Chandra Bose as a war criminal, it is your responsibility to deal with him. And therefore, you may take appropriate steps by consulting with, uh, with Stalin. Britain had always wanted to kill Subhash Chandra Bose, no doubt about it. They were also angry that because of Subhash Chandra Bose, they had to leave India because he infected the army. And that was not considered, that affidavit was not considered fully by the Khosla Commission, which has put it, this letter, and I saw it as a minister, put it in the uh, annexure of the Khosla report. Khosla did interrogate him to the point of asking him, why did you, uh, why are there so many mistakes? Jawaharlal Nehru could never have made spelling mistakes and uh, other mistakes in the, in the letter, copy of which you gave. So, Shamlal Jain explained that after I had finished typing the letter, Jawaharlal Nehru then took the letter, he took the carbon copy, he took the carbon paper also, and said, now you go home and don't utter a word about this to anybody. So therefore, I am writing this from my memory. And therefore, these, these kinds of mistakes can happen, but this did happen, and I know it for sure. For sure.
I think it is the duty of Narendra Modi's government to talk to the British, to allow the British Museum and other archives to be open for inspection. And he also must tell Putin, you're no more Soviet Union, now you're just Russia. You don't owe anything to Stalin. So please tell us, did Jawaharlal Nehru come to Moscow or not? So I think uh, uh, this is sufficient proof to start an investigation. And I'm sorry to say that nobody has uh, done any work on this. I have also one other evidence of Jawaharlal Nehru's complicity to Khashab. That was Dr. Subramaniam Swami, an MP in Rajya Sabha, also a professor in mathematical economics. His views on Subhash Bose's fate are echoed by many people within the Indian intelligentsia and has been a commonly known conspiracy theory since the time of Nehru. The fact that Netaji was heading to Russia was known to Indian leaders as we've established in the first few episodes. The intelligence files of the IB clearly indicate that Netaji was heading towards Russia forming some sort of army close to what the INA had been. However, there hadn't been any indication that he was killed by Stalin at the behest of Nehru. Shamlal Jain, whose testimony Dr. Swami quoted with reference to Nehru's letter to Attlee, made many more statements which were recorded in the Justice Khosla inquiry. He claimed to have met Netaji somewhere in Meerut on the 7th of October 1967. According to his statement, Netaji was dressed as a sadhu, smoking a cigarette, and asked him about his family and other old associates at the forward block. While Dr. Swami quotes the Nehru's letter to Attlee part, which lends credence to the killing in Russia story, he conveniently ignores the bit when Jain claims to have met Netaji in 1967. I'll include a link to a video by Chandrachur Ghosh, which deals extensively with the Shamlal Jain testimony. In 1964, Dr. Satanar and Sinha went to Formosa to investigate the death mystery. After looking at the layout of the Songshang airport, making formal inquiries with the Taiwanese authorities, he concluded that there was no plane crash at all. But then what happened next? How did the Japanese fool the Allied forces? Or were they even fooled? Anyways, he wrote a book called Nitaji Mystery, where he suggested that Nitaji was in a Russian prison in Yakutsk around 1950-51. H.V. Kamath, a close associate of Netaji during the forward block days, spoke to the Taiwanese officials in the same year and came to the same conclusion that the plane crash did not happen. There is no tangible proof of Netaji being killed in Russia and we'll get to the Russian fantasies in the later episodes. India, however, was headed towards its second war with Pakistan and there wasn't much time for these debates. Nehru's death led to Lal Bahadur Shastri's ascent as India's second PM. By 1966, India was successful in driving the Pakistanis out of the Kashmir while building friendly relations with the US and the USSR and improving its military might. With Shastriji's mysterious death on January 10, 1966, Srimati Indira Gandhi became Prime Minister. It almost seemed like the Netaji mystery would be relegated to the back burner of history. Indira Gandhi, however, began her term in a relatively weaker position and this allowed a larger scope for dissenting voices, which was highly unlikely during Nehruvian times. And here is where Professor Samar Guha stood tall like a beacon of light. Sir, this is the first time for me to have the privilege of speaking in this house. 
Nevertheless, I will use this opportunity to raise my voice of protest and indignation in this temple of democracy about the policy that had been so long pursued by the government about Netaji, the apostle of Indian revolution and the greatest Kshatriya after Shivaji in India. As a new member when I entered the central hall of this parliament, I was naturally very happy to see so many pictures of the makers of India. I was eagerly looking for another portrait, the portrait of Netaji Subhash Chandra Bose. But I was shocked to find that although this government had a mind to install during the last 20 years, one by one, portraits of the makers of India in the central hall, they did not have any intention to place the portrait of Netaji in the central hall. Almost all the members present here will perhaps remember that Mahatma Gandhi not once but several times said that Netaji hypnotized the Indian people. Although the father of the nation had the greatness to say so, the rulers belonging to the Congress government were not in any way touched in their hearts by the greatness of Netaji. One may wonder whether it was an act of inadvertent omission on the part of the central government. But looking to the background of the policy pursued by the government about Netaji, I say it was not an omission but it was a deliberate and calculated act on the part of the Congress government to minimize the position of Netaji and relegate him to secondary leadership in the history of national freedom. This was his first speech as a member of parliament and his words resonated among many congressmen and women of that time. Many agreed with his assessment of a systematic whitewashing of history that began with Nehru's independence speech and continued in various forms. When Samar Guha spoke of Netaji's disappearance, Many MPs including Atal Bihari Vajpayee, Madhul Limai, Lal Krishnaur Advani and others knew that the first commission was an eyewash. However, I wonder if anyone knew that Professor Goha was in direct contact with the man he believed to be Subhash Chandra Bose. Professor Goha's story doesn't end here and neither does Bhagwanji's. For the next episode, my focus will be on confirming the identity of Bhagwanji himself. We will look at all the available evidence weed out the nonsense and focus on what we can prove. Once again, if you like this episode, do share with your friends and family and subscribe to this show to get the latest episodes of new interviews I have to share. Until next time, Namaskar. Mm-hmm.